I want to um, speak actually just to the whole broad theme of the retreat uh, at the start. Um, and then we'll kind of walk our way back through it. So this is by way of just a short overview of this territory. So um, I'm going to say a, a few things. and I'm actually going to highlight if I think they're, you know, kind of an important point. And we could say like a, a key point to, to have in mind for this retreat. Okay, so we'll, we'll leap right in. First key point of, of this retreat. Any experience is a perception. Okay, any experience that you're having is a perception, which means you're perceiving it. Your senses are receiving it and then through the, the beauty of having a mind that can conceive things, it perceives a world here. So whatever it's perceiving uh, currently, it's perceiving sounds and it's perceiving that they're speech, right? And are they speech? Yeah, well, it depends. If you perceive them as speech, if you weren't seeing them as that, conceiving of them as that, they, they might not appear as that, would they? You know, if this was a different language, a language you didn't understand, you wouldn't really know if it's speech or not. Like, are those birds outside your window, are they talking? I don't know. <laughs> are they just singing? Are they just making sounds? What's going on? We don't know. You know. So it takes a conception to make a perception that way. And whenever we're having an experience, it's actually a perception that we're, that we're having. Yeah? I'm having the perception of heat. Yeah? I'm having the perception of confidence. Yeah? I'm having the perception of being a human being, being myself. Yeah? You have the perception this guy is barely making sense. Yeah? <laughs> you have the perception, yeah, I'm on board with this. He's making a key point. I'm happy with it. Let's go on to the next key point. I've got it, you know. And all of those things, every element of our experience and the whole thing altogether is a perception. Okay, so that's a key point. If you disagree with that, you can take it to one of the groups. <laughs> um, yeah. And because of that, because of that, we want to see any experience itself is actually shaped by what we pay attention to and how we pay attention to it. Right? Those are really key ways that we shape our perception. Right? Perception depends on attention, and attention can be placed on different objects. Yeah? It can be off in a fantasy, you can come to the breath, you can go to the sounds, you can be aware of your body, yeah, you can be drawn to a pain, and then you come back to the breath. Yeah. Like take attention to different places and when you take it to different places you have a different experience because you're having a different perception okay does that feel okay you can nod you can shake your head you can wave your hands and no 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 not not happy with this description of reality yeah. you can also put things in the chat at any time yeah also now the, the the next kind of element that's important there right so experience is a perception key point that we can shape it by what we pay attention to, we can shape it by how we pay attention. You know, Monica mentioned metta, she mentioned these, these uh, beautiful care that we can bring into. Well, that makes a big difference, yeah? If we're bringing kindness, if we're bringing care, if we're bringing spaciousness, you know? Or we're bringing rejection, you know, we're bringing carelessness, or just overlooking, not, not bothered. Yeah, it's a different experience. It's a different experience. That's why we do it, right? It changes experience because we change what 
what we perceive, how we perceive. Okay? Now, you may know the material that we're covering here under the name, something like the three characteristics. That's probably the most common name that um, these, these qualities that we're going to be exploring through, through this course, are, this retreat, are, are called. Yeah? Um, not so much. It turns out, according to people who read these texts a lot more clearly than me, and I'm relying on Tanisa Robiku in particular here, you can check out their work, I uh, might actually put up a link on the notice board for actually further explorations around this idea. Um, the three characteristics, actually not so much. It wasn't something the Buddha said. What the Buddha said is, these are three skillful perceptions. Right? Very different um, implication here, actually. These are three skillful perceptions. These are liberating views. Yeah. Many of you will know the, the great teacher of, of recent times, Rob Babea, who was the guiding teacher at, at Gaia House and um, very dear to many of us. And he actually used this, um, um, I, think, I think the title of one of the chapters in his book, Seeing the Freeze, that he wrote, uh, is called Three More Liberating Views, yeah. or, or something along those lines. Yeah. And they are ways of looking. Um, so I'm going to name them. But I've also put a glossary on the notice board so that you can check back with those because they're going to be central to our thing. But it's important to say these aren't characteristics, these aren't like truths about life. These are, it would be really helpful to bring this view to mind. Okay? So the first one is anicca, which basically means change, transience, impermanence, inconstancy, fluidity, dynamics, whatever you want. Yeah? Things are not fixed, they're not rigid. They're actually not things. <laughs> yeah, they're so dynamic and moving. Like, you know, someone wants to nail you down. Like, who are you? Like, what are you? It's like very much depends. Yeah, very much depends. I change day by day. My emotions change. My thoughts change. My body sensations change. And it's helpful to see ourselves that way at times. The second um, <clears throat> view that we want to take up. Uh, they, they get um, decreasingly appealing to us as, as uh, rational things to say, is that all things are dukkha. Okay, so what's this word dukkha mean? Tricky, tricky one. You may have heard dukkha being translated as suffering, yeah, um, or stress. Um, here, it's a little bit more useful to say they are unsatisfactory. And I've given a number of talks in the past around all of this, and this isn't actually going to be the whole terrain of what we're exploring here, but it's to say uh, things are um, unable to supply us with lasting satisfaction. Yeah, I could say that as a, as a shorthand for that. And the third quality is anatta. Things are not themselves. This self is not a self that you can find in some intrinsic way. Yeah. If they were in and of themselves, themselves, they wouldn't change. They wouldn't change. And we could say, you know, our perception of ourself is that we change. Yeah, we're not fixed. We're not static. Yeah, we're not always one thing. And actually, increasingly hard to pin down oneself or other selves yeah, as, as singular things. But here, we're just labelling them out, just laying them out. We'll go into each of them much more uh, deeply at, at uh, kind of like, if we divide this, this event into thirds, 
because I'm doing it tomorrow morning, tomorrow afternoon, and then Sunday morning after that by UK timing. Take a different lens, different view for each day. Yeah. And even that to me feels quite a rush. <laughs> yeah. So pause, breathe, relax. I was asked to do this retreat, and I must admit, um, my first response was, "You can't, you can't fit that into a into three days." And they said, "Actually, you haven't got three days. <laughs> you haven't got three days. You've only got two full days." And I was like, "Yeah, well, you see, you can't do that. Like, if I'm teaching a longer retreat, I would maybe give a day for each, and still feel like, well, you know, that's just a taste. It's really just a taste. And that would have been preceded by quite a few days of just calming and settling and steadying. So, so." You know, it's it, it 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 it's a lot. It's a lot, yeah. Um, but then my my second response was also I'm not sure because I don't I don't. It's not that we can't talk about this thing, but I don't want to oversimplify it. And in fact, I think there is a kind of a a tendency that we have is we we want to get it clear, we want to get it you know precise, not precise. We 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 want to understand it, and because of that, we might actually. Um, not go all the way so deep with it you know we might something that's actually quite common is sometimes people just reduce them all to a Nietzsche yeah this kind of view it's quite it's quite common in a way to say everything's just inconstant because it's inconstant it can't bring you lasting satisfaction and because it's inconstant you can't really find yourself and your body your emotions your thoughts your feelings your perceptions you know you can't find it because of that and it's like okay it's good um but it's not, it's not all of it. It's not all of it. Uh, I, I wanted to keep it wide and also keep it precise and also keep it really useful for our lives, you know, in kind of an ongoing way. Um, so obviously we're here, so I didn't stick to either of those views. Um, I mean, I did actually stick to the second view. I do, I do, I do, I, and, and so basically I thought there is a way that we can touch on this in which they would actually all stand independently. Yeah, they all stand independently, um, and it's 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 really important to to remember as we're going through this, um, all of these views, all of these views are in the service of reducing dukkha. Yeah, all of these views are in the service of reducing dukkha. Their then then their usefulness regardless of their truthfulness at times it might just feel like it doesn't make sense for me to be saying things are unsatisfactory or not self or whatever you know as a truth claim sure fine doesn't matter is it useful which is to say is it free when we take up this view immediately and then over time it reduces dukkha that's what we're looking for reduces the stress the suffering the agitation the reactivity that comes through us when we realise we've actually adopted the opposite view of some degree of permanence, of some degree of this can provide me with satisfaction, get it. Or it is causing me dissatisfaction, get rid of it. Yeah. Or this is for me, the me that I've never seen, can't find when I look for it, but is perniciously always there when I'm not looking. Yeah. So, ah... What if I took a different way, a different way of looking? And that's what the Buddha is saying. Just take a different way of looking at life. Adopt this different lens, okay? So, hopefully, at least the view of Nietzsche makes sense to us. Yeah, we, 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 it, it's quite an obvious, but yeah, overlooked sense of things. 
And so it can really feel like an upgrade that, wow, it's all really dynamic, isn't it? It's all, nothing static when you look in that way. And because of that, maybe we can let things in, let things through, let things go. Even, you know, painful sensations or heartaches and thought streams. It's like, why grab onto any of this? It's all just flowing, it's all just fluid, yeah? And that increase in well-being, though, that's what we're looking for, yeah? So it might feel like, yeah, now I'm really seeing things well because I'm seeing them, you know, really transient, really fluid, really flowing. But that's, that's not the definition of seeing them well. What's the definition here is seeing them well because of the increase in well-being. And well-being isn't uh, the opposite of ill-being, which would be a description of dukkha. Yeah. So that's why we're doing it. That's, that, that, that we want to have that really central. Okay. Um, and that's what makes it a wholesome, skillful, useful way of looking. Or as, as the Buddha would like to say, praised by the wise. This is praised by the wise. Why? Because the wise want you to feel free. So they're praising it and saying, give it a go. Give it a go. Look at it this way. Yeah. And, and, and I think we're real truth seekers in us. You know? It's like, ah, I'm seeing things right. Maybe. That doesn't matter. What really matters is I can see it this way and it reduces the dukkha. Yeah. So... Probably most of us would agree and say, yeah, think, things are in each other. But probably many of us would say it doesn't feel quite right to say that all things are dukkha. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how many, you know, unless you're in a bad mood. Like if you, if you actually went up to people and you told them on the street, you know, everything's changing, everything's changing. They'd say, yeah, everything's, the seasons change, our moods change, yesterday's gone, tomorrow's not yet here. It's like we could get into that together. You turn up to them and they're not ready for your, you know, Buddha teaching, you know, transmission. You're like, everything that appears is unsatisfactory. They go, hmm, you sound depressed. Have you, have you, do you need to talk? Should we get a coffee? <laughs> and it probably doesn't, you know, even if you are actually trying to say it with a lot of joy in your heart, it doesn't sound, doesn't sound uh, beautiful and blissful and whatever else. And, you know, you, you might, you know, kind of tag it onto that Anicca thing and say, you know, cause nothing can bring lasting satisfaction because they're all just in constant, they're changing. You know, and in many ways we're being true to the teachings, but we're, we're kind of casting quite a wide meaning of what we could mean there into this kind of small basket back back down to Anicca. It's kind of reductionist in a certain sense. And it's, it's often much better to have a more precise and skillful lens for it's really powerful to actually say, I, I really feel that the satisfaction you get from things isn't in the things. It isn't in the things. And because it isn't in the things, there's things that we can do, actions we can do, that actually allow us to feel a sense of satisfaction without accumulation. You know, the whole idea behind consumption, a consumption economy, you know, capitalism is a consumption economy. It's going to destroy the world if we can't stop ourselves from over-consuming. You know? 
because we're seeking satisfaction in things that, that actually don't contain any satisfaction. Do you don't contain the satisfaction? Where's the satisfaction come? It comes in the release. And we get something and then we're no longer demanding for it. You think, ah, that's it. That's how you solve that eternal thirst and demand. And the Buddha's like, no, take a different view and say, this does not contain the satisfaction. This doesn't contain it. Don't need to get it. I don't need to get rid of that. I just need, maybe I need to release, relax, open. Yeah. Very, very different view. And in many ways, it doesn't matter if it lasts, it doesn't last. Last, doesn't last, there for a microsecond, there for a year. It doesn't contain satisfaction one way or the other. Much more radical view. Yeah, We'll go into this more. But maybe you can already you know, taste it just in that simple example. And also, you know, if we take a, a view like a Nietzsche and we're just like throwing it at everything, you know, and just say, yeah, nothing lasts, nothing lasts, nothing lasts. Well, what's this, this path that we're on? that we're creating, that we're sustaining, we're supporting through through mindfulness, through meditation, through, you know, increased levels of kindness. And we just say, well, you know, they come, they go. What can you do? You know? It's like, no, no, it's a skill. You're building a skill. It's not sensible to cast that there. It's not helpful. You say, oh, I was working to develop meta for all beings, and then I realised, well, it's not going to last anyway. And they're not going to last. So I just stopped. That'd be, that, that would be a poor use of that view. Like, even if it's true. Yeah. But, but I, I have a feeling, truth, actually doesn't matter to us anywhere near as much as usefulness. You know, I was with a group of people, we we're doing a tree planting retreat recently and we we're having a discussion. And I said at one point, if you came to a crossroads, merely a thought experiment, this doesn't exist and, and the distinctions don't stand up, but... One way, you would get to know the truth of all things. Another way, you would get to know what was truly useful in life. To be useful, to be appropriate, to be... Yeah. And they say, you know, just get to know. Okay, you are more knowledgeable, or you're actually a better contribution to the human society. I think if I had to choose... I don't think I'd hesitate. I'd want to be useful. I want to contribute. And what we can do to our experience, we can contribute towards more well-being, rejection in dukkha. And maybe we don't get to solve, you know, so why are we really here? Yeah. Maybe we're here to work out what's useful. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. So, you know, if the practice gets stuck and we're like, well, it's all in each other, you know, why make a fuss? That's not, that's not what the Buddha was teaching. That's not why they were sharing these views, right? Because they're perceptions to take on, but not all the time. Not all the time. You know, if you're walking down the street again and then you, you know, hopefully you've met someone else this time, you're not going to hit another person, then you, you know, you just tell them that any sense of self is an illusion, and they did you work that out yourself? He said, yeah, I did, yeah. <laughs> like, well, who's the self who worked out that the self is an illusion? Who, who's, who's, stand, who's talking to me? <laughs> what do you, did, you, did you come all the way here to tell me this? Or they might just think you're a nihilist, you know, that you, that you deny the self. You know, if it's across the board. It's like, I do not exist. 
Okay. Does anything exist? Uh, interesting stance to take. And, and how does that support you feeling more free? How does that support more well-being in the world? Oh, well, no, but I'm certain I do not exist. I've looked for myself, I can't find myself. I think it's helpful here just to kind of drop in that, you know, there's a lovely saying, isn't there, that the, the absence of evidence is not the evidence of absence. You know, the fact that you can't find yourself doesn't mean you don't exist. Because then when you're not looking for yourself, there you are again, looking, doing the looking. There's something about us, some exploration, something going on. Yet, what this sense of self is, what this self is, is it's, it's not what it appears to be, is it? That much, we could say. It's, it's actually not possible, ultimately, to conceive of a sense of self in any coherent way. You, know, you can go there with these teachings. And again, we're just going to be touching on these things, just kind of dropping in the level and the layers of, like, what's it like if we turn to this body and say, this isn't mine, this body is not mine, doesn't belong to me. Yeah. Just as a lens, just as a view. Right? In certain situations, it's going to be very much the situation where you want to say, this is my body, get away from it, you know, and hold that view. But in a way, did you make this body? Did you make the armpits? Did you make the chin? Is it yours? Can you change it? Make it whatever you want? Can you even, you know, take over pumping the heart for a little bit? Pump it a bit quicker, a bit slower again, change the rhythm, back beat, up, down, up, down. No, we're here, we're experiencing it. We could say it's the nearest bit of nature to us. And explore that nature. That flow, that tide of energy that goes through it. You know, the wind, the breeze, like going through the trees. So we don't want to say it doesn't exist. The body doesn't exist. The self that feels that it owns the body then doesn't feel like it owns the body. So it moves into these different things. But it's always this view, always this element. Yeah. And again, we could reduce it down to an each and say, well, you know, body's always changing. Couldn't have a fixed sense of self in all this change. It's great. It's a way in. But also recognise its limitations. You know, it's more important part of the insight is actually less identification feels freeing. Yeah, less identification feels freeing. You know that moment where you realise, oh, I'm really angry. <clears throat> Yeah, I'm really angry. I recognise that I'm really angry. That's very different than actually being really angry. Yeah, we've got a little bit less identification with it. It's like, oh, I'm kind of holding it up in front of me. It's like, do I want more of this? Yeah, because it's so alluring, yeah? But it's actually a moment of freedom, isn't it? That makes sense? You know, it's like you're really in it, you're fused with it, and then you're just like, oh, that's what's going on. Oh, I wonder what I can do about that. So I remember last time I was like this, it was it was quite regretful. I don't want to do that again. And stop and have a breath. Yeah? So that, that that wriggle room that these teachings are actually offering is it's a lens, it's the beginning of a lens of like that's not me. 
This is anger. It's not mine even. I don't need to hold it. I don't need to pick it up. I don't need to follow it. I think a friend of mine had a sticker. And, you know, many people maybe have it, but I don't believe everything you think. Yeah. Helpful advice. Like a bit of less identification with it. So these are the lenses, these are the perspectives that we're interested in developing. And, and as I say, like, you, know, you might be all in for plenty of anicca. But the ones of dukkha and anatta are much more subtle. Yeah, we likely you know, wouldn't be sharing those with you know, passers-by on the street, as I was using as that example, unless or until we had a deep sense, right? kind of a wholesome sense skillful understanding of, of what these really mean. No thing is satisfactory, yet nothing can bring dissatisfaction. Wow, what, a, what an interesting view to take, this dukkha view. It depends how you relate to it. It depends on the degree of contraction. It depends on the degree of non-welcoming, non-releasing. And this anatta, this, 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 the self is as imagined as anything else. And non-identification with that perception of self in the moment feels really freeing. Feels freeing in a way that other, other feelings of freedom maybe just don't, don't quite touch, you know, so. We can't make a stable truth claim about the self either way. You know, as a joke, the self who's saying it doesn't exist, you know. That, but, but, but what we can say something about is the nature of perception. And any sense of self is a projection of self. A sense of this thing. And that sense of is a perception dependent on the conception and on what we're paying attention to, how we're paying attention to it, we can begin to play. And the question then is, that what if I let this sense of self become lighter when it has less push-pull agitation on experience? And that actually moves us from agitation to maybe pleasure, joy, opening, delight. As we go lighter again, yeah? Maybe this teaching about anatta isn't to make some definition of self or not-self, not getting stuck in self or not-self, ways of thinking, ways of relating. You probably notice most of the fantasies, most of the thinking that we have is, you know, tonight's cinema of the mind will be starring me once again. Here I am, building up that sense of self. <laughs> the adventures of me. Oh, okay, yeah, of course, that's what happens. But it's not me, it's a thought. Apart from the thought. So the basic sense here is that there's skillful views, skillful views. And we want to use them wisely. And when we use them wisely, we deepen 
that conviction of that first key point. All of my experience is a perception. And it depends on what I pay attention to and how I pay attention to it. And the Buddha would often come back to this point when he was in deep intellectual uh, investigations with people, sensitive explorations of the emotional landscape of the beings through grief and distress. Always bring it back to understanding that experience is arising dependently and fading dependently on the way that we meet it, on the way that we relate to it. On what does this dukkha depend? It's a key point in the in the noble truths. What's this depending on? And then what does this awakening, this liberation, this happiness, this freedom depend? What, when I do it, will lead to my lasting well-being and happiness? And that's what we're going to be exploring through this couple of days of, of retreat together and we're liberating view and probably many of you already realise has many, many ways we can hold that we're liberating our view from the constraints of the default lenses you know, exploring these more liberating views that we have of anicca, dukkha, anatta because we're adopting a way of looking, a view that liberates, and a way of experiencing a, a perspective, a view that is liberating to behold. I'm looking forward to exploring this together. So we're going to have a, a meditation now with some guidance from Monica to close out the day. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.